0: Afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, 3.15 a.m. time. Boy, that was something time. <laughs> we do not have nearly enough time to discuss the things we need to discuss in this podcast time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker studio here early, early on a Sunday morning just a couple miles away from Neyland Stadium, just got back uh, from Tennessee's 31-26 loss to 13th-ranked Ole Miss at just a sold-out, bonkers Neyland Stadium in a game that, um, you know, we've seen a lot of things at Tennessee. Um, uh, You can never say that you've seen everything, though. You can absolutely never say that you've seen everything at Neyland Stadium. Not just me on this episode, obviously, uh, joined by the one, the only Patrick Brown, since we're discussing a Tennessee football game that just happened. Pat, uh, how can we possibly begin to describe that game?
1: Yeah, Wes, I mean, uh, I think this is the second time in three games that uh, I'm doing this podcast from a car, and it'll probably happen again next week at Tuscaloosa. it But, um, yeah, I mean, it's just uh, – and I told Grant, like, in the first quarter, I'm like, this is going to be one of those games where, like, a million things happen. And, like, by the end of it, you, like, totally forget some of the stuff that happened early in it. And, boy, did I did – I, I didn't know at the time what I was going to – you know, what I was setting myself up for there. But, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, just a wild game, a wild night. Um, and I guess it's never boring around here, is it?
0: No, it's not. Um, you know, th- there, there's no nice way to – discuss what happened at the end of that game I think we wouldn't be doing our job as journalists if we didn't discuss that it's not going to be the only thing we discuss but I'm pretty sure it's going to have to be the thing that we lead off with because that game took a a long time uh, regardless but it took about half an hour longer because Tennessee fans uh, pelted the field with with trash uh, after uh, what I thought was a questionable spot Um, certainly that could have gone Tennessee's way did not on what would have been just a gargantuan 4th and 24 conversion on a pass from Hendon Hooker to to Jacob Warren. Tennessee uh, did not get that call. Uh, it was upheld on review. Uh, and, and that was – it had been building up throughout the night, the, the frustration from fans, because there were about five spots uh, of the ball, at least in the game, that were just pretty bad. And this is the same crew that botched the the Memphis-Mississippi uh, State game earlier this season. There There were some just truly questionable – Calls during that game—one that took seven points off the board for Tennessee, or at least six, probably seven—would um, It would have been a, a fumble return touchdown for Tyler Barron. Uh, you had the questionable spots at the ball, and then and then you had, you know, people just being upset at Lane Kiffin, uh, obviously for for being Lane Kiffin and for doing the things that he does and has done. And then you had, you know, it probably double-digit times that Ole Miss players went down during the game. Some of them very questionable, look to be time stalling things. I want to be careful there because. there there were some legitimate injuries in there, including one to Matt Corral. Uh, So so there were were some legitimate things that were happening during that game, but there were some that that, that maybe were not so much. Uh, But Tennessee still had three timeouts, still had a chance, obviously, to come back and win that game. I can't say I'm shocked at what happened, but didn't really expect that.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, you can never throw stuff on the field, right? That's like the number one rule. Um, You're endangering people that – or you're not mad at, right? You're mad at the officials. You're not, you know, you're, but you're endangering players. You're endangering cheerleaders. You're endangering our own Grant Ramey who was on the field at this point of the game, yeah, uh, and other people on the field by doing this. And uh, it's just a bad look. I think some of the the gnashing of teeth and the pearl clutching from the usual national media Tennessee haters is way over the top because um, this is not the first time this has happened, right? Not the
0: first time in recorded, yeah, not not the last time or first time in recorded human history. Maybe not to this extent in a college football game, but uh, still, still, you know, it's not the first time.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just you know, it's it's it's, you know, it's Tennessee. They're an easy target. Sometimes Tennessee makes themselves an easy target. Granted, Um, but you know, and and I think Josh Heupel said it best after the game. He was disappointed that that's going to be the story from this game that that that, you know we're leading our podcast talking about this it's going to be everywhere the next 24 hours it'll run its course through the news cycle and then it'll you know everybody will move on um but you know from a national viral kind of situation at least I mean Tennessee will probably get fine I don't know if they'll do you know anything else beyond that seems very punitive and and seems very we're, we're making it we're picking Tennessee out here because it's Tennessee and they're an easy target to make them a making them an example, quote-unquote. But that's the disappointing thing to me is that this was a wild game. Um, It was a great game by two teams that, you know, back and forth, there was drama, you know. uh, You know, Matt Corral was just running all over the place making these plays. Tennessee was down. They had a bunch of guys out. They've come back. They have, what, three chances with the ball, down five. Yeah. To go take the lead. I mean, just, um, you know, the atmosphere is great. Great scene. And and this was supposed to be – You know, maybe Tennessee's return to the big stage and it doesn't, you know, they, it doesn't quite go as well because they don't win the game. And then they had this incident that kind of mars all of it. And, and like Heitel said after the game, you know, it it just overshadows everything else that was good about it because this is going to be what's what's talked about. And, um, you know, Tennessee's leadership has come out, you know, Danny White and, and Dondi Plowman already had came out with statements on Twitter condemning it um you know, Greg Sankey came out with the you know with the, with a statement from the SEC. No statement on any officiating, we should say.
0: Yeah, because those guys never
1: have to talk or explain what happened.
0: No, and that was the same crew that botched you know the the Mississippi State Memphis game they, too, and that's that's.
1: They, they, you mentioned that the the, the barren play is the one that's. There's, there's two beefs I have with officiating. It's the bear in play where they don't blow it dead in, in the moment, but then they talk about it for two minutes, and they're like,
0: oh, "Just kidding." We yeah. blew it dead. We blew that dead. I don't know if you saw it, that, it, but, but we didn't. It, yeah, it was a it was a silent uh, blowing whistle to signal the play dead. I, I mean,
1: guess. It, it was a weird play in all because it almost seemed like Matt Corral just stopped, but he didn't stop when he was in the grass. He literally stopped after he didn't hit the ball off. It's like he thought they blew the play dead, like for a penalty or something. Um, Man, and and the weird. beef with the spot, and, and, and I mentioned this in my takeaways, this is the second time this year Tennessee's kind of been on the wrong end of a spot situation, right? Yeah. Pit, make Pittsburgh game. Pit, yeah. And, and in both situations, the linesman who's supposed to be marking this ball is nowhere near where he's supposed to be. Nope. I mean, if you look at the all-22 replay that the SEC Network showed, the guy that runs in and marks the ball a yard short, Now I don't know if Jacob Bourne got to the 40-yard line, I know he got past the 39. they marked it. Yeah, that, uh, was, that was the thing. The guy like got, a-
0: after the replay, they couldn't at least say, "Hey, by the way, our spot was a yard off. He might not have gotten it, but our spot was bad."
1: The
0: the linesman
1: on on the far side of the field, he was at the other 45. He was a good 15 yards behind the play. He, he's not in position to make that mark, and, and that's what hurts. And you know, I, I think that's what has to be frustrating for C fans. Now there were about. 10 different things that Tennessee could have done differently in that game to take it out of the officials' hands. And they still have a chance to win at the end anyway. So it's like, I mean, uh, it, that you know, that, it's easy to be frustrated about that. That's not why Tennessee lost the game, but it, it's easy to be frustrated about, about it. And that frustration just kept building through the night, and it led to – the same thing by throwing stuff, and that's never ever a good look.
0: Yeah, it, it might not be the reason Tennessee lost the game, Pat, but it absolutely was a factor. I, I mean, it—it's—I it, uh, mean, I think my stance on this has been clear for years. It absolutely matters, and, and the fact that that what happened at the end here, here's—if you—if you're a Tennessee fan, and you want to be frustrated about something. Be frustrated about this. The SEC should have had to explain after the game some of the calls in that game. They should have had to explain that. Now, guess but what? These guys never have to. But now, well, no, they—they've done that before. They—they've issued statements saying, "Listen, that was a bad whistle. You know, that oh. should have gone a different <laughs> way." It's happened before. Oh, the,
1: state, the statement makes up for it. Yeah,
0: <laughs> let and, me tell and, you. And, and well, no, it—it it doesn't. But at least that would have been the SEC would have had to at least say something. Now it can just completely act like that didn't happen. The, the, they can kick this under the couch like it's some breadcrumbs that nobody cares about. That they can just ignore that now, and, and that's, that's what's frustrating is because we, we should be talking about a lot of other things, and I'm, you might be listening right now to this saying, well, your guys aren't talking about it. Well, guys, there's a reason for that because you can't do what they did at the end of the game. You can't do it. You just can't. It's a bad look. It's the actions of a few. Now, not just a handful of people. I mean, that was a lot of people. Um, but in relation to 102,000 being there, not not a huge percentage, but enough of one to be a problem. And you know, a golf ball thrown at someone's head, come on, that could hurt someone. That could very easily hurt someone. A vape pen thrown at someone from that distance. Yeah. That could hurt someone. So you can't It's 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 awful. And it's I, I, my stance has always been people who 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 throw things on the field during a game should not only be arrested; they should not they should be banned from going to games like that. That's just the punishment that, that should be. If there were a way to do that, it's just it's not it's not acceptable. But there are so many things we could be discussing. And and now here's the thing, Pat. At the end of that game, that Hendon Hooker injury, that might have serious ramifications for Tennessee's season. That might be. Huge. That did not look good. So now, if if either Joe Milton or Harrison Bailey comes in and is not able to to sort of play well, and, and this season kind of goes off in, on the wrong way, guess what? Everyone's going to say now that's what caused it, and and they're not gonna they're not gonna say what they should be saying, which is that this this team, this staff, oh, and these players overcame. They have overcome a ridiculous amount of things in the past like what 14 months 13 months whatever it is and they still have put a competitive solid product on the field and now um, the narrative will not be that we know that right it just won't be yeah
1: i I think with hooker we we don't want to speculate too much and get too ahead of ourselves it didn't look good it looked like his knee kind of made a movement it's not supposed to make when he got tackled from behind he kind of got planted and hit um dosh uh, didn't have really an update after the game um and tennessee i'm sure we'll be fearing the worst and hoping for the best um and you know as, as we hear anything we'll, we'll pass it along i'm sure we'll have questions at 7 a.m which is in about three and a half hours <laughs> um true, true. but but yeah i mean that's 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 gonna be you know or you look at this game and you know, they, they played a lot of it without Alante Taylor. They played all of it without Tyon Evans. Cooper May still isn't back. Um, Danico Slaughter wasn't there tonight or wasn't available playing. Um, you know, they lose Cade Mays on the first, you know, the first series on a play that didn't even count. Yep. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's just a long injury list and they added some big names to it in, in this game and that's, that's going to alter the, uh, the rest of the season as well, and um, that's just kind of one of those things where I mean, you just look at this, so many different aspects of this game. Just like you kind of, you, you kind of struggle to wrap your head around. I mean, just look at Tennessee's defense, right? I mean, they played 101 snaps. Ole Miss ran. Ole Miss ran 61 plays in the first half. Um and, and Tennessee held them to 31 points. I mean, what if you had told us on Thursday Ole Miss was going to run 101 plays? I mean, what are we talking? About?
0: And, and get one of those touchdowns on a on a, on, a right. on an 11 yard drive.
1: Right. I mean, I I threw this theory out on the, on our board during the game thread. The game thread is not for the faint of heart, by the way. No,
0: it's not. St- uh, keep, keep children away from that, please.
1: Um. It. it I, honestly, I think my theory was like Tennessee was like, all right, Matt Krause, if you want to run for 250, go for it. We're not going to let you throw 50 yard touchdowns. Uh Maybe. And I mean, and, and then maybe he said, you know, if you're going to run it. 250, you might get two fifty, but you might run it thirty times. That means you're taking twenty five something hits. That maybe that's the theory. That's my theory. Um, but I, you know, and, and even in there were times where I thought Tim Banks, the defensive coordinator, brought some really good pressures, and they just couldn't get him on the ground. I mean, he's fast, elusive guy. Um, Tim, Ole Miss did run some quarterback draws. Ole Miss was missing some guys too. We should point that yeah, out. He, he's the um, he's
0: the best offensive football player in that league. There's a lot of good ones in the league. I don't think there's a single one better than him.
1: And, and, you know, in his, you know, just before kickoff interview with the SEC Network, you know, I think Cole Kublik asked Lane about the atmosphere and he was like, I've got Matt Corral. I'm good. Basically, I'm paraphrasing there. Mm-hmm. And he was, he was the difference of the game. Cause I mean, he, uh, I think Ole Miss was 11 of 21 on, on third down. I'm doing all these numbers in my memory and it's 3 a.m., So if They're wrong to me. Um, but and I think he had at least five of those conversions. They were all runs of, like, 12, 20, 15, 13 yards. Yeah. Um, and, and they just – we knew that coming into the game. We knew that Tennessee had issues, you know, with them. You know, we saw what Emory Jones did. We saw they could really contain. Can he pick it? Even though Pickett didn't do a lot of scrambling for big yards. Um, we knew that would be a factor coming into the game, and it just – you know, it almost seemed like what was Tennessee doing half the time. I think you posted or tweeted about playing a spy about 15 different times. And that's the only explanation I have is that they were just like, all right, MacRalph, you want to run for two hundred yards right. and, and run so, thirty times, we'll give
0: it up. Sometimes it looked like they, sometimes it looked like they were playing a spy, but that they didn't, they didn't block the center, or at least didn't, right? Did, didn't keep him engaged very long. So I, I, I don't think I'd have to go back. I've covered a lot of games. I'd have to go back and think about it. I don't know if I've ever seen a game where a center has been downfield blocking 10, 15 yards downfield on runs more than I saw in that game. That was crazy to see. Uh, that that was I, I don't it's just not something that you see every day. and of course, there's a million things that happened in that game that that are are you know make you forget about some of the other things. but and again, we're recording this at three thirty am. so but but I, I still this was the opportunity uh, for Tennessee, really. I mean, I mean, you know, they could shock the world going forward. We don't know we we don't know the future. If we did, I tell you my my SEC picks this season would be a hell of a lot better if we could predict the future because, boy, they're garbage right now. The worst of my career, probably. They're terrible, but it, it it just it felt like that was the moment for Tennessee, and it was it kind of slipped right through the hands. And there were reasons for that, um, and we got more to discuss about this. But we need to step away for a break and do that real quick. So let's let's go away uh, for just a second, pay some bills, listen to products, services, in house ads, other fun things, and we'll be right back here to pick up right where we left off here on this discussion on the Go Balls Twenty Four Seven Podcast. Hashtag Ad Welcome back to the GoValls twenty-four-seven podcast brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. West Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio, Patrick Brown coming to you from an undisclosed location here at this ungodly hour on Sunday morning talking about Tennessee's 31-26 loss to 13th ranked Ole Miss just a couple miles away at Neyland Stadium. Lots to discuss about this, and we'll get more to that in just one second. But before we do that, just a quick reminder, I'll keep this brief. Guys, please take 90 seconds out of your day right now. And subscribe to this podcast and mash that subscribe button and rate and review this podcast. If you're just listening on the website, we love you. There's nothing wrong with that. But what really helps is if you go in there and listen on a you know, download on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart Tune Stitcher, anywhere in the world you can cast the fun pod. You can find this Cobalt's 24-7 podcast. We do this for free and we're happy to do it. But the one thing we ask for, please go in there and subscribe and rate and review. That helps us out quite a lot. So please Thank you, thank you, and please go in there and do that. Pat, I mentioned this a little bit. This is sort of where the discussion was when we left off there going to break. But it felt like this was this was a huge moment for Tennessee. You know, you, you had such a great buildup for this game. You had two of the, you know, the the fastest pace, the two fastest pace offenses in, in power five football. You had Lane Kiffin's return. You had a Tennessee team that was exceeding expectations. I think or at least external expectations going into the season. And this was the brutal, the meat grinder portion of the schedule, the buzzsaw portion of the schedule. Four really, really tough games uh, with only one bye week in between or open date in between. I guess I should say coaches don't like the phrase bye week because they're always working, but an open date at least. Uh, And this was the moment for Tennessee to circle the wagons at home with 102-455, get a big win, and no matter what happened after that, you got this one tonight and you left an impression. And I still think Tennessee left an impression, at least in the first 59 minutes of that game, uh, and really in, in the last 40 seconds of that game. Not during that little interlull there where the fans were, were making a scene for for half an hour there. that's That's not cool. But it felt like now... The injuries for Tennessee are just starting to mount at a ridiculous level. Uh, Cade Mays, we'll see, he was walking around after the game, so maybe his injury isn't too, too bad. Uh, but Cooper Mays is still out, his brother there at center. Um, and he tried to play a little bit tonight, and he was in there as an emergency guy. But, you know, they, they didn't use him, at least that I saw. Uh, then you had Alante Taylor go down in this game, which is one they can't afford. You had Warren Burrell go down at some point in this game, which is another injury they, they can't have. And and then the biggest blow of all, Hendon Hooker goes down late in the game on just a really nasty, nasty looking, nasty looking twist of his knee or ankle. There, I think you said knee, Pat. It was knee.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't want to speculate, but it looked like it looked like his knee.
0: Yeah, it's something in his leg that did not go the way it was supposed to go. So now you're going into the portion where you're going to uh, Tuscaloosa next week. <laughs> mm, not great. Uh, and then you know you got Kentucky and Georgia, and and you know those are you know, arguably three of the 10 best teams in college football. Um, You know, Kentucky is one of the more physical teams in in college football. And Georgia and Bama, everybody knows what they're about. So it just feels like they've circled the wagons before, Pat, but this is where the next month it seems like it's just – it's going to be really hard to do that, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I look at this game and and I I don't – you know, I, I don't know, I'm not, like, down on Tennessee's the rest of the season necessarily. But this was a moment where – and this was a game Tennessee could have won. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we'll, we'll have to see how those other games kind of transpire. But, you know, that game was there for the taking Tennessee, and, and they just didn't take it. Uh, and they made – some of the things that we saw in the last two games against Missouri and South Carolina, um, two teams that obviously aren't very good, we saw the, those things, the, the good that Tennessee did that, that they did in those games. We we didn't see those things again. I think they had six penalties. Um, that's not a lot of penalties, but a lot of those penalties were at, like, the worst time, right? They had um, two pre-snap penalties, start a drive. So you're first and 20 before you can get out there um, and even get going. You had, a, a you know, the Trayvon Flowers holding penalty. That's probably okay because he's just trying not to give up a touchdown on third down early in the game. Sure. They had two holding penalties late on, on each on a, on a drive where, you know, they're trying to go in and take the lead, the one on Princeton Fant. Um, they were at the 40, and then the drive before all the shenanigans was on John Carvin. And, and and they were both – they were probably holding. There were also probably ones that you see called about 50% of the time. Um, and, and certainly there were some holds both ways that probably weren't called in this game. But you know, th- those back you up and, and – and we've heard Heibel talk about it when Tennessee was having penalty issues early in the season. You know, when you have penalties on offense, that's a good way to get out of your rhythm. Those offenses are obviously built on rhythm. Um, and it's tough to live in first and 19 and second and 27 and, and so on and so forth. We had to turnover early, which was big, um, with Bayless Jones, normally sure-handed drops the punt. Easy touchdown for Ole Miss after they would just gotten a fourth down stop early in the game with the crowd still, you know, there, uh, or with the crowd very into the game at that point. Um, and, you know, they just – and offensively, they could never find any consistency. And, and part of that is probably because of who wasn't there. Uh, you know, I, I think the staff has done a good job of not really worrying about what they don't have. Um, and I think that was probably the case again tonight. But um, they, all, this Ole Miss defense, I think, was made into – you know, they were playing pretty good football the first three or four weeks of the season. Sure, sure. And then they kind of reverted to 2020 form. Um, but they were doing some different things. I asked Hypo after the game if they, were, if they threw anything at them that they were not expecting. But, you know, Ole Miss has been playing a 3-2-6, which is a, a defense that's basically like, all right, we'll let you run the ball on us, but we're not going to let you throw it over the top. Yeah. Well, I didn't see that as much from tonight because I think they were sneaking the defensive back into the box. They were running a safety down at the snap. They, so they did, they did that some, a lot. And so Tennessee early in the game, you know, they had a couple shot plays that they didn't hit on. I think they missed one to Bayless Jones where Hooker got hit. They had one to Javante Payton that uh, he couldn't complete the catch because the, the, the defensive back recovered and made a good play. And they didn't really get that many looks, uh, similar to that late in the game. And, and there were times I was looking at the way Ole Miss was set up, and I'm like, you got to run into this front. And they threw it. There were times when you're looking at it you got to say, they got to throw it into this front and they run it. Um, and, and so I know there was, you know, at least on – and. In our game thread, there was a lot of and on our board, a lot of hawing about the the play calling. A lot of this offense is based on reads and what the defense is doing and playing off of that. So correct, it's not as simple as oh, they called a run play on this down. It's this is an RPO. Quarterback saw this and that's why he gave it or he didn't. You know whatever. So um, they just this offense was never they never got fluid. You know, for, the other first four drives were three and outs. They seemed to never. Could get going And when they did get going They would self-inflict something Especially in the second half So um, I, I think that's the big thing With Tennessee As a takeaway from this game Is that this game Was there for the taking Your defense gave up A lot of yards Gave up a lot of runs To the quarterback But At the end of the day They gave up 31 points to so probably one of the best offenses in the SEC One of those touchdowns Was off of a, a muff punt um, And in the second half You held them seven points So I mean your defense I think played well enough To give you a chance And the offense just They just couldn't get they, they couldn't put that last drive together to make the play, and, and maybe that's. And since he's played what two close games now this season, they lost two of them, right? With Pittsburgh and, and Ole Miss games yeah. that were there and right there. And I think if, and I think if you're Tennessee, that's they, you're,
0: you're,
1: your takeaways are you're upset because you didn't play your best in this game. You're upset because you did a lot of things that if you do differently, you can point to that and say maybe this game's different if we do this. Um, and, and the third thing I think is something is maybe a bit of a bigger picture thing is, uh, you know, what did Heupel's record at, at UCF, right? They lost, he lost eight games in three years, right? How many of those games were close games? You know, that's something this program has got to build toward is finishing these games, right? Yeah. Look at Ole Miss. They've played a lot of close games under Lane these last, this year and a half um and you know they lost some it seems like they lost more than they won last season and now the last two weeks they found a way to get the stop with the two-point conversion against Arkansas right and now they get you know the stop here at the end of this game uh and and that gets into maybe a bigger picture thing where we're hype on this program when they get in these situations they have to find a way to get the job done and this is twice now they've had games that were there for the taking at the end and they couldn't you know, couldn't complete the deal. And that, that always hurts as a competitor and as a player and as a coach.
0: Yeah, th- there are times, and I know I've made this reference before um, covering a different coaching staff at Tennessee, but but there there are two different things here. You know, th- the dog catching the car is one thing, um, but then, you know, it doesn't know what to do when it gets there. That's the second thing. Like, th- they're a dog who's nipping at the heels of these cars. Like, they are they are there. And I cannot begin to tell you – how genuinely impressed I am with the fact that they have been as overall as solid as they have been. That does not excuse the fact that both Pitt and Ole Miss probably, I mean, I don't want to say should have, could have, could have been wins if just a couple of things had gone differently. We're not talking about 10 things. We're talking about 10 things. And if one or two of them go the other way, then then Tennessee wins those games probably. So, so the, the, those are different conversations. But – you know, I think it's important – what's really, really important is keeping things together, you know, no matter what happens these next few weeks. Because I still think Kentucky is a game where they don't score a lot of points. So if Tennessee can get the offense going, that they can make that game uncomfortable for, for Kentucky, I, I think. Georgia and Bama, they are what they are. I just – you know, athletically, especially with the injuries right now, that's just a bad situation for Tennessee – but I think what you've seen is this brand of football is fun. These guys are able to get a pretty good amount out of what they have talent-wise. So now you just have the familiar questions, right? Can they recruit? And that doesn't mean getting all five-star or four-star guys you know, or high four-star guys. It means can you identify, do you know what you're looking for? Can you identify it and get it and develop it? Can you do that? That's one. And then two is the thing you just hit on, these close games. Uh, they've got to find a way in these games because these are the kinds of games that if you want to be competing for any kind of a championship in your program, if you want to be a big-time program, even the best college football teams I've ever seen have had a couple of games during the season where they've had to gut something out. They've had to find a way to win a game where things were not going their way, where it didn't look good, and they found a way to stick to it and win. they, they got to get that and it's it's tough now, Pat, because you've got a program again, with a lot of kids who are not used to winning, and you got to teach them how to win. and that's that's a difficult process. And in games like this, there are no little things, right? there There are no little things. Everything that you do in a game like this matters. And just a couple inches here and there. If that pass for Milton is just a couple of inches, Um, better, or if Milton maybe, you know, can extend just a little bit more, maybe he makes that catch and they pull out this win. Uh, If Joe Milton doesn't do one of the dumbest things I've ever seen and run out of bounds there at the end of the game, who knows what happens, right? Throw the ball into the end zone, take your chances. Or lateral it if you're getting ready to run out of bounds, right? Find a way. Because if you lob that ball backwards and Ole Miss recovers and returns it for a touchdown, who cares? You've still lost the game. You know, just don't, don't go out of bounds. Don't do that. Uh, all these little things matter, and that's probably the next step for this team is finding a way to kind of patch everything together now as best you can, um, but then eventually finding a way to make those decisive plays.
1: Yeah, it's it's like we talked about early in the season or in the first month when all those little things were hurting Tennessee, hurting Tennessee against Pitt, hurting Tennessee against Florida, dropping the ball, not you know not hitting no open guys on offense, missing tackles on defense, and look, as the competition steps up, those things get difficult, right? Mm You know, For a team like Tennessee, you would expect them to have more penalties against an Ole Miss or an Alabama than you would a Georgia or Missouri just because the talent difference. Sometimes penalties are a reflection of talent. Other times they're a reflection of discipline. Tennessee, when they've done well this season, they've cut down on those self-inflicted things that they can control. You hear these things the coaches talk about, and you kind of roll your eyes because it's like it's all cliches and coach speak, but there's truth to it, right? I mean, Tennessee can control if they line up with the right number of guys on the line of scrimmage. They can control if they fall start or not, right? They can control if they jump offside. They can't control if, you know, if you got a guy in coverage and he's better than you and he gets free and you grab him and you get called for it. That that's hap- that, that happens. That's the stuff coaches can live with. It's It's the – it's the dropping a punt it's the lot you know little things that they um that, that can happen in a game that so often turn into the big things right um uh, yeah and, and we've seen that with this team and and, and this and, and the reason that is, is because this team obviously has such a small margin for error particularly against any team with a with a better talent level or that's a certain you know like a bad matchup like I don't know that Ole Miss is insanely more talented than Tennessee. I do think that Ole Miss has better talent than Tennessee, and
0: and and, and, it has, it, and it has Matt Corral also.
1: Well, yeah, that's that's obviously the the big thing, and and that's not to take away. You know, I mean, I I think Hinton Hooker played pretty pretty well in this game, and um, you know, he gave Tennessee a chance to win there at the end before He got hurt, um, but you know, I, I think Ole Miss is a bad matchup for what they have. Their personnel against Tennessee's personnel, we saw a lot of that. Although Tennessee yeah. held up in space better than probably I thought they would. Um, all things considered. That's fair. Yeah. Um uh, again, this defense, I mean, that's probably one of the craziest things that this defense is on the field for a hundred plus plays and gave up seven points in the second half and thirty-one. I mean, I think they gave up like five yards of play. Which against this offense is pretty daggum good. Yeah, it mean, is. And, and you're like, and there were times that you, uh, that you felt like they were just hanging on. But to get back to your main point, I think that you know, we see again in these close games how you know, when when you lose a game like this, you can point to a dozen different things. You can point to things that mistakes you made, or like you said, the plays at the end where I mean, we were sitting I was sitting there talking to you, right, right, as they got the ball at the end and we're like, What they could still freaking win this game. Yeah. <laughs> like after all of that, what would it be if they won this game and then you know, they had the third of Tillman where it was like, Oh, so was right there, I mean you know, Cedric's a big guy and and you know, a lot of times when he gets his hands on the ball, he finds a way to bring it in and um and, and yeah, I mean the play at the end with Milton was just I mean it was a really unfortunate end to what was a great football game and just a, a wild scene that uh I don't know, where do we even start?
0: Yeah, I am imagining now a, a Monday pressure where Hypel Tears up emotionally like Dick Vermeil and says, "We're going to rally around Joe Milton and we're going to play great football." Sort of like the uh, "We're going to rally around Kurt Warner and play great football." I mean, they're going to have to. Milton's going to be the guy if it's not if it's not Hooker, and they're going to have to. You know, it might be good that the the first game, if he's the starter again, it's on the road. <laughs> that might be that might be a good thing, at, at this point. Uh, just just a disappointing. Uh, disappointing play there. I, I just don't know how. I mean, the guy had just gotten called into the game, but it's not his first game. He, he he can't he 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 can't do what he did there. You know, the throw to Milton was actually all things considered under duress, just put in the game. Not a bad throw. Uh, he, he almost gave him a chance there. Uh, but the the other the play at the end there, I just I just man, I don't understand. And there was a play honestly where Hooker didn't get out of bounds late in the game too, where that 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 could have been a, a really big deal. Uh, on that third down before the fourth down throw. So so there's a lot of things that, that we could parse over and that we will parse over in, in this week because I, I think, you know, we'll be talking about Alabama this week, but it's really about the big picture with this team right now. It's not necessarily about this game necessarily because it's third Saturday in October. It's Tennessee-Bama. Weirder things have happened. But, I mean, Tennessee in that game with the game on the line in the third, you know, late in the game with like a third and short is giving the ball to – a walk on who came from a D three school, and he's running behind a walk on offensive tackle, and, and and they found a way to you know get the first down. So I mean they're doing what they can, um, but they just you know w- when you get there, you want to execute and you want to finish, and, and that's what's interesting to me, Pat. And this is the this is the thing I'll, I'll end with uh, is to me. You know, we, we don't see practice right now because of the way they structured during the season. We saw some good stuff in preseason camp, haven't seen a, a damn thing in during the season. Um, so it'll be interesting to the little interactions we have with people, talking to people behind the scenes. They've done a really good job of keeping everybody in unison, in lockstep, you know, because a lot of guys left the program. But the ones who stayed, they bought in with this staff. They're, they're, they're out there. They're giving it a go. They they're, they're, they're talk about great team chemistry and, and unity and all these things. Well, it's going to get harder the next couple of weeks. I'm interested to see, does that hold? Because if that holds, then I think that says something about both these players and this coaching staff.
1: Yeah. I don't really have anything to add to that. That was so good, and it's three forty-five a.m. and I want to go to sleep. Yeah,
0: we got a lot to in do. And all candor, yeah, that's that's true. You you you're, you make a good point there. We probably ought to get out of here. And, and I know it's a little shorter than normal, but guys, it's almost four o'clock in the morning, and we we got it. We got work to do tomorrow. We got plenty of other stuff to do, and we're gonna have a big week coming up too with lots of coverage as always during third Saturday in October week. So Pat, I will uh, I will thank you for your time now, my friend. Thank you, thank you for joining us, Pat.
1: You're welcome, Wes. Good morning, evening, lunch, day, four AM, whatever.
0: Yeah, whatever it is. See ya. Whatever it is. See ya. But most importantly, thank y'all for listening to this edition of the GoValls twenty four seven podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you for joining us. And all it was a tough night for Tennessee. And I know the Tennessee's fans, some of them made it a little bit tougher for the for the majority of y'all after the game too, so condolences tough night um but there's there's reasons to think this thing could be getting better so plenty of good stuff to talk about too guys you can find all of us on social media i'm westrucker 24 7 on twitter patrick brown is p brown 24 7 on twitter grant ramey is grant ramey on twitter ryan callahan is ryan callahan 24 7 on twitter if you want just tennessee news nothing else on your feed go get that at twitter.com slash govalls 24 7 you can also go to facebook.com slash govalls 24 7 where we have tons of stuff all throughout the day, all day, every day, tons and tons of stuff on there. But if you want that best, most delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water right from the tap, go get that at GoVols247.com. The best site on all of Al Gore's internets to get coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball, Lady Vols coverage where Maria Cornelius does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us all year long. And we got two forums that run round the clock on GoVols247.com. we got the checkerboard and we got the summit where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and discuss with all of us who are on the staff and thousands of Tennessee fans across the world all day, every day, tons and tons of stuff on there. And as long as it's not political or religious in nature, you can discuss anything you want on there, and we'll have a good time doing it too. Always good stuff there. And you get all of that. So that's a couple, what, couple dozen content items a day, basically, uh, access to our great network, uh, the best recruiting coverage in the business, uh, the best re- database for college sports in the business, all of that, all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. And if you pay that price, which is after a seven-day free trial, still less than one mediocre lunch per month, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount+. Plus. Used to be CBS LXS, now it's Paramount+. Plus. Tons and tons of stuff on there. Every show CBS has ever made commercial-free. Tons of exclusive stuff on there too. Evil, uh, Picard, Star Trek, all, all kinds of great, great stuff on there. Exclusive movies, uh, a couple of big time movies too that have been picked up by Paramount Plus that are only on there. Uh, you get live sports, which is Tennessee stuff, SEC stuff, uh, other college football, college basketball, NCAA tournament, March Madness, all of that. NFL, PGA Tour, UEFA Champions League, UEFA Europa League, Serie A. All kinds of stuff, plus things from the, from the vaults, as, as, as I mentioned, CBS, but also MTV, BET, Nickelodeon, Smithsonian, and Comedy Central. Something for the entire family. That is a $100-plus annual value that we give you for free. No one else in the business can do that for you. We can do that for you. So go take advantage of that right now. Go to GoVaults247.com. We'll get you hooked up from there, and then you'll get your Paramount Plus account, and you will be all good. If nothing else, guys, you should you should hear from us on Monday, uh, unless something crazy happens on Sunday, which I guess could happen. Um, but if not, until then, uh, be safe out there um, and be nice to each other. Be kind to each other. Show some empathy. And don't throw stuff on the field. That's never cool. Don't don't, don't throw stuff on the field. Don't do that. See you.